Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Did you bring wine? I got the glasses. You guys, I made a quiz. And I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the official Broad Wasted Podcast, where we're drunk on theater. I'm your host, Brian Plofsky, and don't be a piggy. Scooter on over, you king prawn, with that beaker and honeydew, and show me your animal side, or your Swedish chef side. Don't commit a crime, and then Rolf, because I'd call you Crazy Harry, you Fozzie Bear, you. Joining us today are the usual Statler and Waldorf, including Kevin Gonzo Jager. Obviously, uh, if you had chosen anyone else, I've been really upset. But also, commit a crime, I will or commit a murder. I will never forgive you for that. That was so. Cool. <laughs> um, Kimberly, our electric mayhem game master and unofficial babysitter yes. for the hour. <laughs> Hello. And with us today is someone you may have seen in Hamilton as Hercules Mulligan uh, and James Madison. He's also the host of It's Time to Meet the Muppets podcast on Broadway Podcast Network. Let's give a big, broad wasted welcome to friend of the show. Friend of the, the show. show. Your <laughs> I am speechless. That is the greatest introduction I've ever received. Yeah, feel free to use it in your next bio. <laughs> I'm going to take it and yeah. call Playbill and say, this is now it. Yeah. Please address totally. it accordingly. Yes, yeah. agree. Repent every program immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Including tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could start with an insert. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we start every episode with "What are you drinking?" Oh, so let's. Man. Are we all drinking? So let's start the episode the same way this time. Um, okay. for, yeah, yeah, Fergie, what are you drinking? I am drinking my classic. I drink a nice uh, Bullet 95 rye. 
And then mm. I always have it with a little bit of ginger ale. That's my go-to whiskey and ginger. Um, Me uh, it's too. So funny. When I was like opening this up, I poured the whiskey and I don't know what it was, but the smell hit me. And I was like, oh, this really reminds me of the beginning of the pandemic. Like in the beginning when it was like oh. kind of nice for a hot second, when it was like, yeah, I'll start drinking it too. And then by the time it's six, I'm buzzed. And then I'm in bed by nine. What a beautiful day. Yeah. Not, you know, before it got all weird and depressing and stuff, but um, it, it, it was just a very delightful reminder. I drank a lot of these during the pandemic and they, they feel warm and like home. Hey. Yeah. And zoom. Continues. <laughs> and like Zoom. They feel very yeah. much like Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, Kevin, what are you drinking? Okay, so I'm drinking uh, bottled water because I just got done with 10 hours of travel today. Um, sure did. I was in Tampa this morning, and I went the four hours from Tampa to Jacksonville by car, and then had an hour to breathe at my parents' house and pack my suitcase before I got on the, su- the plane and came straight here. And it literally made it 10 minutes before our recording to my apartment. So I'm drinking water, but I have lots of stories for this and it's going to be part of my Kevin's Corner, so stay tuned. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, Kimberly, what are you drinking? Uh, well, my husband came up from the bodega with an orange soda. And sure. so I started with that, but now I didn't know what to put in it. So I just keep sipping it, deciding what will go inside. And mostly I'm just, I think when I'm done and I'm just going to pour Hudson baby bourbon on the rocks. Do you know, do you know what goes best with orange soda? What? Uh, an episode of Keenan and Kel. It <laughs> sure <laughs> does. Which oh, you can now yeah, watch on Paramount right. Plus. See? Really? Yeah, sponsorship. Yeah. Oh. oh, I'm doing that. Yeah. That was my favorite um, show for however long I'm I ran. pretty sure I've seen every single episode more than three times. Multiple, because they used to premiere times. it on, well, it used to be called The N, and then it got changed to... I thought it was Noggin and then The N. No, those are two separate. So The N, oh, the morning section like the of The N version? was Noggin, and then The N yeah. was like, that's where like Degrassi was, and you know, hmm. then oh, they started familiar. putting all like the old Nickelodeon stuff. But then I think they got their, I think they changed it to Team Nick. I think then it was called Team Nick. And so one of the things that they had was like kind of like a 90s weekend where like from Friday through like midnight of Sunday, it was nonstop 90s Nick. So like all that, Cousin Skeeter, Keenan and Kel, Are You Afraid of the Dark, um, Salute Your Shorts, like all these like real classic Nickelodeon stuff. And, and my brother and I were, we consistently recorded every single Keenan and Kel and watched all of them. And so yes. I... I'm very proud that I know that series very well. <laughs> Brian, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking my usual uh, lime seltzer, and I pour tequila mm-hmm. into it. Oh, nice. Delish. Right in the can, as always. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. keep it, keeping it classy. Um, but Fergie, thank you so much for joining us. We're super excited to have you. We're going so to talk about here. Yeah. Also, man. like, legitimately love the show. Like, I've I've listened oh, to thank you. quite a number of episodes. Aww. Love the show. Um, when Kevin told me at an event that we were doing, "Hey, would you like to come on Broadway?" said so I was like, "You're you're you're the Kevin." <laughs> I remember in my head being like, "Oh my god, that's that's the Kevin." Um, the first episode <laughs> I ever listened to was James's um, episode because sure. James is so funny. I can't remember. Did James drink on the show? No, 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 because he doesn't drink. That's what I thought. Right. That was part of what made it so funny. Um, I think it was also the, the daytime. 
It was also the daytime. Yes. Any of us were Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just like a nice, just Broadway, not Broadway, so just Broadway. Uh (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's a good one. Crazy. That's one of my favorite episodes. (laughs) Yeah, we talked Twilight Zone a lot in that one. I remember that. Oh, that's right. Oh, we were in big Twilight Zone, dude. We were in Shetler, RIP. Yeah. And then after that episode, he was like, oh, I couldn't tell you guys this on air. But I'm going to be in Hamilton. Oh, that's right. He announced oh, it the next right. day. Yeah. Oh, right. Next day, he was like, keep your eyes out. <laughs> that's right. Crazy. Oh, then that was like memory, early really. 2017. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize I was like going through our episodes for some reason the other day. And I was like, let me just like do a top five. And I was like, James, I was that far away, like from present day. I was like, oh, my goodness. Wow. But he's come Amazing. back. He, yeah, yes. Yeah, oh, what a guy! Wild. Um, but we are really excited to have you. And um, let's just start out with what's your favorite musical? The easy Good question. Um, <laughs> um, it it I it's you know stereotypical. It's, it changes a lot. However, um, the one I continually go back to is Sweeney Todd, and sure. um. The reason for that is because I very clearly remember the first time I was exposed to it. I was in high school. I went to a performing arts high school in Miami, Florida. And um, for those who know, it's New Old School of the Arts. Go Pigeons. Um, yes. Wait, hold on. Pigeons. Hold yes. on. Yes. Because in downtown Miami, there are nothing but pigeons and they're vicious and probably rabid. And um, so we were the fighting pigeons. Yeah. It was between that or the fighting seahorses. And... You know, it was an art school in the 80s. They picked pigeons. elegant. I feel like if they fought, it would be like West Side Story ballet fighting. Like, it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's appropriate that it's pigeons. That's why we don't do sports. Because we, we're, we're, because it's just not for us. Uh, we, we would just dance it out instead. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was in some class where the teacher didn't feel like teaching that day and they just popped in. They popped in the. The stage version. I think I knew the movie pretty well, I'm pretty sure. But they popped in the stage version. And the movie, I was like, oh, it's bloody. Like, you know, Johnny Depp, Alan Rickman, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was good. Like, you know, I'm not going to crap on the movie. Like, I don't think it's that bad. I was kind of, like, fine about it. But it didn't strike me. But when I saw Angela Lansbury do Worst Pies in London, I was so captivated by the way she portrayed the character and already knowing what happens at the end, I was like, Oh, I was like, well, this makes this ending so much worse. <laughs> I was like, this is so much sadder. <laughs> and it was, no, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. No, we watched it for the podcast. And um, we said, what did we, we said like, if you have to enjoy the movie, you have to watch it as a Tim Burton movie that happens to be doing Sweeney Todd as yes. opposed to the other way around. Because yeah, correct. the movie the movie doesn't capture the genius of the show in Sondheim, but it, yes. it it it's basically the studio being like, Hey Tim Burton, do your thing. Here's like a property that like whatever, but like also like it's one of the really- musicals ever. And like you didn't get <laughs> the musical justice, but the movie's fine. Totally. But the movie is I think I think the movie is shot gorgeously. I think honestly, I love 
Johnny Depp's interpretation of Sweeney Todd. Now, if you're going to ask me like musically, how did you feel about it? It, it was not great. Like it was not my totally. favorite part of the film. That's a good, um, except for Alan Rickman, like Alan Rickman was quite literally so perfect as judge Turpin in every single way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so was, um, what's his name who also plays, um, Wormtail. He oh, played the beetle. beetle. Uh, yeah. uh, those two, I forget his I don't name. I think I know his name. Um, I, uh, I don't think any of us do. Just call him Wormtail. <laughs> I think we all just call him Wormtail. He has one of those names that's spelled like you don't sound it out. because it's Yes. Um, his Peter name Pettigrew. is, uh, hold on. Uh, oh, hold on. I'll get it. I'll Ooh, get it. Keep going. You're going to get it. I know you're going to get it. Um, uh, but basically, like those two. Spelled funny. It's an Irish name? I think so. It's, it's, it's oh, like, he does look Irish. Letters because it's like spelled. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, I hear a dog. Yeah, that's Ted. Whoever um, it is, I love your dog. Um, um, his his name is his name is Timothy Spall. I was wrong. Timothy Spall. Yeah, Kevin, you really have just found that one out. <laughs> you know, I was like, his name's like Seamus O'Hennessy or something. <laughs> <laughs> so no um or else it should be um but yeah i mean alan rickman's performance is great the only casting that i'm like 100 against was helena bonham carter's only after seeing um the stage version and the i yeah and i think it's because like i actually got in not an argument but somebody who had done the show and played love it was explaining to me how much they hated doing by the sea and I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like what she goes, I think it doesn't move the plot forward. I think it's really dumb. I think this, 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 and that. And I went, I don't disagree with you, but in order for us to feel sympathy for when she dies by the sea has to be in the show. Like that is Absolutely. perhaps sure. Miss Lovett's most important song because you finally get a key into why she's the way that she is. You know, you understand everything about her. She's not actually in love with Sweeney. She's in love with the idea that Sweeney could possibly give her what she really wants. And that's what makes him killing her so sad. Um, anyway, but, but the whole point is that, like, I think Helena did a great job at making her eccentric in the Tim Burton way that he wanted it to be. But I actually think that Mrs. Lovett is supposed to be somebody that we see as a very strong maternal figure who is incredibly kind. And you don't necessarily picture her being able to be so capable of doing something so evil, you know, especially with yeah. understanding who Lucy was and, you know, all of these different things. And so um, that was kind of the only thing about the movie performance wise that I was like, mm, I'm not really with it, but, but performance wise, I yeah. think the movie and cinematic uh, cinematography wise, the movie is gorgeous. It's just musically not that great. And that's what makes it difficult because the stage show, my favorite part is the music. I think the music overall sure. triumphs yeah. the production itself. Well, the and I think that's like what makes it great. 75% of it. Yeah, man. <laughs> You're going to cut the ballads. I, I should kill you. Uh, and however, I understand like, you know, the ballads, that's such a theater device. Like that just doesn't work for film. You yeah, know what I mean? Like it's so said. smart that they They're did that. They're so good. <laughs> yeah, but I it's think- so good. And I mean, that was the thing is that I was like, I understand why they cut it. Like as a filmmaker, I wouldn't want that shit in there either. At the same time, I was like, I, I, I don't get to hear Sweeney say, attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. <laughs> right, right, right. And it, it's, it's all about how like, you build suspense. Because like in film, mm-hmm. suspense with like more visuals and kind with of pictures. Like, yeah. And like, yeah. With, like, on stage, the suspense is built by like the harmonies getting stranger and stranger. And right. More complicated. Uh-huh. Like when you finally get to that letter where like the judge is going to finally meet Sweeney for the end, that like yeah. letter is like so creepy, but it's mm. just 
it's just interesting. It's interesting. You said it just wouldn't work on film. Like it doesn't yeah. work in the way that it does in in an auditorium where you hear five people live singing like those yeah. harmonies. You're like kind uh-huh. of off your seat because you're like, oh yeah. That's yeah. Right. And that's and that's what makes that opening <laughs> shot. That's why I can't say the movie's bad because that opening shot I think encompasses what was supposed to be where the ba- where the 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 beginning ballad was supposed to be like you're going through these really dank dark streets of London and it's already you already understand the tone of what we're about to watch immediately and that takes place for what the opening song would have been you know what I mean and obviously mm-hmm. it's not the same but again when you're adapting it for film that really did make the most sense um and so it, that's one of the rare cases where I'm like that that is a very different experience that I don't honestly always even consider just because like the Sweeney Todd film is, is kind of its own thing. It's like they did a film of Sweeney Todd and happened to include some of the songs. Oh, right. Totally. That's a good way to put it too. Yeah. Um, we use the same story it, in some of the music. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, do you know what else is a place where a suspense is built? Tuesdays in the corner with Kevin. <laughs> Kevin's corner. It is. It's my corner. And um, on it. I'm so excited because you were originally a part of Hamilton in the Philip tour. Am I correct? I was. That is correct. Before you made your big jump to your Broadway debut, um, mm-hmm. you were on the Philip tour. And excitingly enough, I was in Jacksonville this weekend for my mommy's birthday. And yeah. went with my mom and my brother and my dad to see Hamilton at the Times Union Center in Jacksonville, and we saw the film. Oh, so I, my questions today are, are going to be based on the Jager family experience to see the um, Hamilton Philip tour. So question yeah. one is, what do you think that we had for dinner before the show? What do you think you had for dinner before the show? <laughs> and you were in Jacksonville? Yes, we were in Jacksonville. Did you have seafood? Oh, that is a good guess, but no, because my dad is like deathly allergic to seafood. We had mm. some of the pizza that my dad ordered Friday night because he ordered four large <laughs> pizzas for four people. And so we were like, why did you do that? And so we just ate because <laughs> my mom said she wouldn't go out because we had so much pizza in the fridge. Question my next two. guess was Italian. So <laughs> nice. Well, question two is, my parents were blown away by the production. Absolutely loved everyone. They were like, these people are so talented. Like, like, does Broadway know that this is what they're sending out? That's not like, these people should, they should have a second Broadway production. Broadway, my dad was yeah. like in love with yes, all these they people. Should. Hell my dad yeah. was obsessed with all these people. My but Philip family is lit. There was one person in the Philip uh, company that they would not stop talking about how incredible mm. this person's voice was and how incredible their performance was. I know you think all of them are incredible too. And like I said, my parents love them. I know, this isn't fair. The person that they were like, oh my God, this person's voice was just like killing it the whole time. May I have hints? Sure. You can ask one. Can I, can I, okay. Um, Did I, okay, two questions. First question, did I perform with this person on tour? (gasps) Okay, now you give two other questions because I don't know. Because you don't know? (laughs) Um... I'm guessing it's a principal um, um, male identifying or female identifying, you know, as far as we know. Uh, this is a female identifying performer. Okay. Oh. Was it Taria Campbell? That was me and my brother's favorite. Ah. Over 
Uh, Stephanie Slay Park. You, Stephanie Slay Park. Yeah, Stephanie came, because Stephanie started out, I believe, on the Angelica tour as, I want to say a standby. I've never met this woman, so if she hears this, please forgive me. Um, but she's, she's with my good friend, Voltaire, who I love dearly. Um, she, she joined the tour. I'm trying to remember. She joined the tour pretty shortly after I left because Aaron joined us in Orlando, which was Janu- end of January in 2019. And then Aaron stayed for a year. So she joined January before the pandemic. Yeah. So yeah, you, you got, I mean, I hear she's wonderful. And everyone that I, that, you know, from that tour tells me that she's absolutely lovely. And so I'm very also- excited to potentially see them. So Stephanie Slate Park is friend of the show. And, um, so we, we met her before. And so I was messaging her on Instagram and my parents were like, our favorite said hello to you. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I know her. I do. This was like made my mother's night. This was like, bad. Oh my gosh. So, uh, That's the, too funny. Third question is after the show, we got to see Broadway Sid besties, uh, Aaron J. Albano and Nikisha Williams. My uh, babies. Oh my uh, God. They came over to meet us for drinks. Uh-huh. Um, Aaron had a water because he was exhausted because it was the two sh- uh, two doche. Um, but Nikisha definitely drank. Nikisha had a drink. <laughs> I want to know: Can you guess what Nikisha ordered for a cocktail? That's actually a very good question. I've drank with Nikisha so many times. So you can ask questions. I'll go with you. <laughs> My guess? Uh, no, she's not a gin girl. She either had. I will tell you that it's like a. It is a cocktail that has like a name, not like a. Oh, she had like a like a a, a, a cocktail cocktail. Okay, okay, a okay. Cocktail cocktail. Oh. Did she have a dark and stormy? No, but that sounds delicious. Is that what it's called? Yes, that is okay. Yeah. Sex on the beach. You're getting better. It was very. Fruitful. I'm getting closer. Very fruitful. Fru-fru. Not a Long Island iced tea. I would say fru-fru and very kind of like... Oh, fru-fru. Like New York City 2008. A Manhattan. Uh, girlier. A Shirley Temple with tequila. Sex <laughs> uh, oh. favorite. Oh, oh, oh! I haven't... Oh, I forget. That girl had a Cosmo. A Cosmo. There we go. You see, I was thinking Manhattan and Cosmo in the same line. Damn. Of course she had a Cosmo. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, I actually really miss Aaron and Nikisha a lot. Those are two very, very, very lovely souls. It's so good to see them. And that has been Kevin's Corner. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Kevin, it was Kevin's a nice travel. It was super fun. My parents loved it. The show was incredible. Um, everything so about glad. Great season. Oh my god! It's so crazy that they're going to be in Philly. Like I'm, I'm going to go visit them at least twice because I love them so much and I miss them so much. Uh, How long were you on tour with them? A year and a half. Oh wow! Did you open yeah, that I was tour there for a minute? I opened that tour. Yeah, I was cast. Oh my god! This year is what 2021. This December is my four year anniversary. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what year it is? Um, it's crazy Four to think years. that next August will be the fifth year anniversary of when I got hired. Oh, wow. So oh. what's the, for you, having been mm-hmm. on the tour and now, now you know, in, in Manhattan, um, mm-hmm. aside from the fact that, like, you don't tour, you don't move around with the show, like, for you, sure. what's the biggest change or difference between um, doing the tour and then doing the, the you know, the Broadway production in, in the one theater always? Um, the, the biggest thing for me is that when you are on tour, the show is your life. When you are in Manhattan, the show is kind of a nine to five. And I don't say that with any kind of negative or positive spin on it. That's just kind of the reality of what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, because there are a lot of ways that I kind of miss that the show was my life because that was all I did. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like when I was on tour, it was literally just like, what am I doing to make sure that I can get to the theater tonight? Um, but when you're in New York, I was actually talking about this with a couple other people who were on the Angelica or who are in Chicago, like coming to the Broadway company is so amazing, but you also feel like when you're on Broadway, you feel like you have to do other things outside of it. Like, it can't just be like, I just do this. And obviously we're trying to change the culture of what it means to be an actor and what it means to be on Broadway and all these different things, which is wonderful. But I think that there's still a little bit of that pressure of like, Hey, I'm doing this reading and I'm doing that workshop and I'm doing this potential guest star on this show and, you know, all these different things. And so um, I think that when you're in New York, there is so much, there's a little bit of pressure in terms of not necessarily allowing yourself to only focus on the show. I think sometimes there's a little bit of pressure to be doing a million things at once. Like, you know, there's 54 below shows and there's green room 42 shows. And Mm -hmm. like, there's always all these different things Mm -hmm. happening, but when you're on tour, it's like, I'm on tour. So that's what I do. I'm on tour, you know? Um, And that that has its ups and downs. Cause when I was, and that was part of the reason I left because when I was on tour, I was like, I can't just do this anymore. Like it was, it was almost driving me crazy to the point where I would go on stage and forget my lines because I had done it so many times and I was on, and I had been in, I was driving to every single city and each drive was 12 hours. And it's not that I hated it. It was just like, I was like, I just feel cyclical. Like it feels very Truman show like right now. And I kind of need to, break out of that. So that was, that was kind of the reason I left tour. But at the same time, I really miss waking up like in a hotel or an Airbnb and being like, Hmm, I'm going to go to soul cycle and then get a nice lunch and then go do the show and, you know, and just, and then go back to my hotel and sleep and, you know, and that's kind of it. And like, I'm just like, that's kind of my thing. And I'm not saying that's everybody's tour experience, but that was very much my tour yeah. experience where I was kind of not doing shit. Um, so and that parts of that I miss. 
Yeah. So yeah. my my question for you there is you talked about extracurriculars in the city. Um, I know yeah. you have a Muppet podcast. Let's talk a little bit about yeah, that. Baby. You love the Muppets. Um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll open the floor up to you. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's going to be like a couple of people who listen to the podcast and go, he doesn't have one. He hasn't updated in months. <laughs> <laughs> he had. Like they're like pushing the hard. He's, they're like, he had one. No longer. Um, no, I, I do have one. I think so. Um, let's get really real. So basically in November of 2020, I straight up was like, for everyone. <laughs> it was a wonderful time. I personally found things about myself that were really delightful. No, actually the exact opposite. I low key had a nervous breakdown and was like, Hey, I don't think I can afford financially or emotionally to live in New York during this time right now. And so I moved in back with my mom in Miami. Um, and I took a job teaching and was kind of driving for Uber eats and, you know, just kind of doing what I could to like pick up you know, some spare bucks so that I could pay off my storage unit and pay off some bills and debt and yada, yada, yada. And during that time, I was, I was knee deep in a lot of things. Like I had just not just started picking up puppetry, but I started picking up puppetry again. Um, And so a lot of my focus was doing that kind of stuff. Um, I was writing and I was kind of like, I want a project to work on. And I started a podcast in the beginning of the pandemic called The Craft, which was this really exciting podcast that I kind of want to revive at some point, which was just Where me you talking only to my talked favorite about artist. the movie of The Craft. Well, I literally only talked about The Craft because I think witchcraft <laughs> is genius yeah. and I don't know why we don't support it more. Um, and I had my own coven. Um, so basically... <laughs> I, um, I was talking to different artists that I love. The first episode was actually James. And, um, Mm. I, the way I set it up was that the first half I talked about the thing I wanted, I picked a project of theirs that I was really passionate about. And I asked them basically all the really nerdy questions I wanted to ask them about it without sounding creepy. The podcast was a great excuse to ask people that. And then the second half, I asked them to bring in a project that was very close to their heart. And then I would have a conversation with them about it. And most of them brought in projects that weren't famous, that weren't things that were um, in the limelight or things that they were working on and stuff. So James wasn't like, my Tony Award winning performance in Aladdin. (laughs) No, we actually didn't talk about Aladdin at all. We talked about, I asked them about Memphis Mm. And then what did he talk to me about? Oh, he's going to punch me in the face. I don't remember what he brought in as his pro. I obviously didn't care about it enough. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what his project was, but it wasn't the genie. It was something else that, um, it was something else that really did mean a lot to him. Oh, it was when he wrote for Marvel comics. That's what we talked about. We oh, talked yeah, about when sure, he wrote sure. the Spider-Man comic. Um, which I was kind of hoping he would talk about because I remember when he did that, I feel like everybody was kind of like, yeah, James, like James is so insanely famous. And so in like his own category that like, (laughs) there's the story I really want to tell. I'll tell it, but I can't tell the details, but basically over the pandemic, (laughs) he FaceTimes me and goes, Hey man. And I'm like, hi James. And he goes, guess where I am. I'm like, where? I'm in Ireland. I'm like, okay, why are you in Ireland? I'm filming something, man. And then he tells me what he's filming. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, what time is it over there? 3 a.m.? Like, <laughs> go to sleep. What? 
That's amazing. Like, go to bed. What's wrong with you? Oh my god! Then someone came to the door and was like, "Hey, we're we're kind of sleep. Can you like keep it?" He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to." He's like, "I'm being too loud. I'm gonna let you go." <laughs> I love I love James so much. But basically, James is so famous that like sometimes he's doing things that like to the point where people are just kind of like, yeah, that's James. But when he announced that he was doing Marvel comics, like I knew how much of a huge Marvel fan he was. And I reached out to him. I was like, dude, like that's insane. I was like, I know that you are like mind blown right now. And so, you know, and he still talks about that time and he, he has so much um, gratitude for that, you know, process and the fact that he got to write for Marvel. And I, I think that was such a really unique experience, but anyway, all of that to say, that podcast ended up faltering just because I didn't have the equipment I wanted and kind of what ended up honestly happening with Muppets. Basically, um, it was around the summer that I started doing this and I got to a place where I was like, well, unemployment is not enough right now because <laughs> they had just stopped being, they had like cut off. You remember they did the, Yeah, it was no longer the extra that they were supplying. <laughs> So I started looking for jobs. I was looking for like literal, like, you know, odd jobs that I could do. And so I worked in a bunch of random different places and I just didn't have time to do it anymore. Um, I also was very picky about the sound and it sounded like crap. Neither here nor there. Um, But (laughs) basically when I was back in Miami, um, they announced that the Muppet show was coming to Disney plus, which if you are a, a diehard Muppet fan, that was the craziest day ever. Because up until this point, every single episode of The Muppet Show has not been available for purchase. It's not been available for viewing. There are episodes on Disney Plus that before they aired on Disney Plus had not been seen since they last aired in 1982. And so for us to have gotten and we had been begging the Disney company, especially after. And when I say we, I mean we. I emailed them a crap load of times um there were a lot of us muppet fans who were constantly constantly emailing when are we getting season four and season five? Oh, i don't tell the story i i didn't tell the story the way i'm gonna rewind basically in 2006 they released season one in 2007 they released season two in 2008 they released season three at the end of 2008 they announced that in 2009 or 2010 we're going to get season four. We got DVD cover art. We got special bonus features, potential, like kind of the episodes that we're going to do. And arguably the fourth and fifth season are the best seasons of the Muppet show. They have some great guest stars, the writers and the performers really found their rhythm. And it's like a really, really strong show in those last two seasons. Never came again. We never heard anything about it. 10 years go by. Cause that was 2009. So low key, like 12 years go by. And finally, they announced that they're coming to Disney Plus. It was crazy. And I was saying to myself, I was like, you know, it'd be awesome. Like if somebody did a podcast where like they went episode by episode and then like people could like listen along and like, you know, do a kind of thing like that would be so cool. And then I don't know what happened, but one day I just woke up and was like, shit, I have to do that. And it didn't leave me alone for days. Um, And Nick Walker, um, who I did the tour with, basically had been telling me, you know, Broadway Podcast Network is always looking for new things. I, you know, Dory Bernstein, who who runs the 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 network, was like, she probably would love to meet you. And then I was like, Dory, Dory Bernstein, Dory Bernstein, I, I know that name. And I realized James had actually texted me and said, hey, I actually know somebody who used to work for Imagineering who... Um, worked on Muppet Vision 3D with Jim Henson. 
And I realized this while I was pitching her my show. And the only reason I realized it was because she went really silent, put her finger over her mouth and just started smiling. And I was like, this is either a really terrible pitch or she's really digging the idea. And Mm -hmm. I kind of realized, oh, this is the same Dory. And as soon as I finished, Brittany Bigelow, shout out, love her, no longer with Broadway Podcast Network. Makes me so depressed, but we love Brittany. Brittany just starts laughing as soon as I finish. And she goes, I cannot believe this right now. And Dory goes, I don't usually just green light on the spot, but you're green lit. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And so, you know, I had the first episode out within two weeks after that. Um, And then I did it somewhat consistently. Um, What happened was by the time I released the fifth episode, which was around May or June, they had announced that Broadway was coming back. Um, I was trying to make plans to move to New York and I had to start kind of figuring out like what my life was going to be basically. And so I kind of put it on hiatus involuntarily and then about a month ago i purposely was like i'm not going to work on this for a while i am coming back soon i did watch the most recent episode that i'm going to record two days ago so i am going to record very soon and as soon as i get my schedule together new episodes are coming um because i i love doing the show it's so much fun um it's literally just me talking shit and it's what (laughs) i love to do most and yeah, so yes, that very long journey was about what um, it's time to meet the Muppets. So I literally just go moment by moment at each episode of the Muppet show. And I'm like, this was funny because I like this song. Cause you know, <laughs> Kermit's funny in this scene. Cause that's literally the entire podcast and people for some reason listen to it. <laughs> and you have guests that's or awesome. it's just you and the episode. One episode I've had a guest so far, my good friend, Noel McNeil, who, if anybody watched Bear in the Big Blue House, he played yes. Bear. Um, oh. he, yeah, he is. He's also my like puppet father. Like he has taken me under his wing and has been teaching me a lot of, you know, his puppetry powers. He, he is um, an underrated legend in the Jim Henson world. Like he mm. was Loki the first, like not Loki. He was the first African-American puppeteer to work for the company. And one of his first jobs was the understudy to Big Bird. And so he has performed the bird so many times and nobody really knows it. Sure. Um, he he obviously played Bear, but he also did like Eureka's Castle and he did Ubi and he did mm-hmm. a million other shows. He's done so much work and he's also genuinely the nicest person I have truly ever met in my life. Um, he and his entire family are so kind to me for no reason. Um, and they, um, I've gotten along with him very, very well. And he's also performed the character of Sweetums a lot. And so I had an episode where I talked about original Muppet performer, Richard Hunt, who unfortunately passed away from AIDS back in the early 1990s. Um, and I kind of had like a whole, not a whole episode, but a good chunk of the episode kind of talking about who Richard Hunt was. And to me, he's, he's one of the best performers from that era because, he has a veracity in his performance that was so clear that I, you know, people talk about Jim Henson and people talk about Frank Oz and like, there are obviously geniuses in their own right. Like they're brilliant puppeteers, obviously, but Richard Hunt was such a genius character actor and even his technique, I really appreciated. And so, um, 
Knowles performs Sweetums a lot because he's really good with full body characters. And so I had Nolan to kind of talk to me about when he worked with Richard Hunt, when he worked with Jim Henson and Frank Oz and, and kind of tell me about how he manipulates Sweetums and the mechanics of manipulating Sweetums, because that is my thing that I really want to get into on the podcast in future episodes is like really getting into some of the nitty gritty details that like sure. a lot of people don't talk about with the puppetry stuff. Like I've never heard anybody really go in depth, talk about how Sweetums is performed and like some of the things that can go wrong. Like, so a lot of the performers, you know, not a lot. The Henson technique involves you looking at a monitor so that you can see your performance. But when you're inside of Sweetums, there's not enough room for a monitor. So you're going off of what you see and you can only see him through his mouth. And the only time you can see him through his mouth is when you open it to have him speak. <laughs> and so Noel was trying to explain to me the mechanics of that. And it, it's so crazy fascinating, but that's never really been talked about before. So I'm really trying to like bring out some of those like yeah. interesting details and, and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I think uh, I have to really break down what um, I'm just telling the whole world, my process, which I think is great. Um, yeah. I, I have to figure out like what I want to do with, the show because i'm not saying i hate the format that it is right now but i do find it a little stale and i think that i can make it quicker i think i can make it more fun for the audience because right now i think it's fun for me i don't know if it's fun for yeah but that's where it starts first step yeah that is where it starts exactly i don't think i put out bad shows i just think that there's a tighter way to do it you know what i'm saying um and so i'm i'm kind of in a process also right now like am i going to reframe it am i going to restructure it and yada 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 but anyway yeah, it's time to meet the Muppets. Um, the first five episodes are out. I'm very proud of them. More you should listen. Too. No, the first six episodes, I think, actually. Cool. Should we play a Muppet game? Yeah. Absolutely. You yes, steal always, for your always. Show, if you'd like. I have my Lights um, of Broadway yeah. show cards right here. Speaking of Miss Dory and Spigs, of course, um, oh I'm just kind of going to go through someone say when. These are all shows. Okay. We'll pick a show. And we just have to decide what character from that show should remain a person. And then the rest of the cast is And Muppets. then the rest are Muppets. Oh, this is my favorite game. Okay. And so <laughs> um, we can cast the person if we want, or we can just say it and we're done. We're all right. We're so someone say cast when. the person. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when? Um, a little night music. Oh, beautiful. Um, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> In my opinion, yeah, Angela Lansbury character should stay as a human and everyone else is a Muppet. Because she's kind of like the elder and like watching, watching yes. the shenanigans around her. Or if we really want to make it comedy, Henrik is the only human. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> Wait, I like both of those That's for different point. reasons. I only want Henrik. He would be so stressed the entire time. He would time. be so stressed because he'd be like, am I uh, Am, am I crazy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so am I, am uh, I real? Yeah. Um, I mean, it writes itself because Piggy is Desiree Armfelt. Yeah, no question. Like, um, Kermit would be a great Frederick, yeah. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that works out perfectly. I also want Andrew Barth Feldman to play Henrik because I think oh. I know, I know, and and I hope Andrew he hears this because he is a Muppet first of all, but also everyone has been trying to tell like you need to get with Andrew because he loves Disney parks and Muppets. And Andrew, I've added you on Twitter a lot, 
And I understand you're more famous than me, but sir, <laughs> I think you and I would have a very fun time. So I hope you listen to Broadway, Sid, and you hear well, me now, get on it. And now we have a project to pitch him. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. I would oh see God. that. I would see that in a second. That production would be incredible. Be oh, so absolutely. Like awesome. Fozzie and Kermit singing um, the women's song. Oh, oh the, the, have I got a girl for you? <laughs> no, that's a different show. We're oh. in there um, in the foot bath, that whole song. Oh, God. I can't stop thinking about the idea of like them trying to sing a weekend in the country and then the electric mayhem comes in and like turns <laughs> tries to turn it rock and you just hear animal going weekend 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 and that's it <laughs> it just it just goes to crap so instead of disney turning their rides into things with muppets like haunted mansion they should just take sondheim musicals they should literally just take sondheim musicals and Wait, turn them into muppets a muppet into the woods come on i don't know why that hasn't happened yet that would actually happen it was supposed to happen so hold on okay i'm sorry i have to be this person because i i am of i'm a bevy of knowledge that whole muppets into the woods is only it's slightly true what it was was there was a production of into the woods that was supposed to happen that was a film that the henson company was hired to be a part of and they were going to write they were going to do creatures for it it wasn't necessarily the Muppets, but Henson Company was contacted to do some stuff for it. But it was not the Jim Henson Muppet characters that were attached. I'm sorry to burst everyone's bubble, but well, this is the truth. Now it will be. <laughs> sorry about it. Come watch my show and you'll get your bubble burst even more. <laughs> Great pitch. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I just keep picturing um, just like Sweetums on a Broadway stage in anything. That And that needs to happen. That needs to happen I mean, rather quickly. Well, how yeah, would you do just, like a Broadway production of Muppets? I guess that's... Cause isn't well, it yeah, it gets complicated. The way it's performed. Yeah. So the whole thing... They've actually before. tried a number of times. They've tried a number of times to... They've had workshops and stuff like that. And Alex Timbers was attached to it at one point. The whole issue with... Muppets on Broadway is just like the way you were saying it. The way that it's filmed is that, you know, it has to be in a, a way that the performers are able to, you know, not be seen. Yeah. Because you can't do it Avenue Q style. It's not, it's not the same thing. It's a very uh -huh. different game. No, totally. So there are a couple ways in my mind over the years that I've thought about this, which, yes, I've thought about this. Um, you can pull a Treasure Island, a Christmas Carol, a Haunted Mansion, and take a classic story and put the Muppet characters on it. Sure. That way you don't have to worry about mimicking voices. You can pre-record a lot of it and just have really talented puppeteers who know how to lip sync and perform to okay. pre-recorded tracks mm -hmm. perform it. That you also sense. could apply this somewhat same terminology if you wanted to do some sort of regular Muppet show or something like that. Um, and then you just have to build the set in a way that would make it performer friendly, which is very possible. Mm -hmm. It would be expensive. It would be very, very expensive, but it is very possible. Um, oh, that's so interesting. So, yeah. The idea of like, you almost do it a la, um, uh, what's it called? Um, with Mulaney and, um, and like, Oh, hello. 
Oh, hello. Yeah. Where like mm-hmm. it's it's a similar show every night, but then maybe there's a segment where the famous. But there's person a segment where the famous person comes mm. up, and you know all kinds of different stuff, and and you know That's there's all kinds of there's all because kinds you, of stuff that can be done with that. Because I'm know? sure, yeah, I'm sure you know, like behind the <laughs> scenes, there's more of like. A, you know, this person can only do the voice of Kermit now, and this person can only do this. So, like, you can't necessarily yeah. lock them into eight shows a week when they have other, no, you know, you, what I mean? it's so actually impossible because yeah. nine times out of 10, if you're a Muppet performer, you're also a Sesame Street performer. You might be doing Fraggle Rock, you might be doing other Henson mm-hmm. projects, you might be doing other theater projects. And so, the they main six guys right now, yeah, say that again, Kevin. I'm sorry, I just say they would have to license like a whole new cast of people to be able to perform those. Yeah. And the one thing that that's been complicated with the Muppets in terms of the way that Disney handles is that sometimes, and somebody from Disney will probably call me and be like, that's not true, but it is true. Um, They have (laughs) somewhat tried to handle the Muppets the way they handle the fab five of the Disney characters where it's like, okay, Wayne Allwine is, or Allween was the voice of Mickey for this many years, but he has two understudies. Um, and now mm-hmm. Brett Irwin, I think his name is, or Brett Irwin, I can't remember his last name. I think it's Brett Irwin. Brett Irwin and Chris Dia, the one who was in the office and waitress, is also, they're, they're both voices of Mickey, right? Um, and depending on the project, they both kind of split those uh, recording tracks. It can't work with the Muppets in that way because it's not about the voice with the Muppets, it's about the actual performance. Um, mm-hmm. Everything about puppetry. Uh, and it's hard because a lot of people, when they think of Cookie Monster, they think of this. They think me cookie, me like cookies. You know what I mean? They think of the voice. But the, the whole reason that Frank Oz was able to come up with that voice was based on the improv that they did around the sketch at the time. And it just so happened that that voice came out. And for him, it was about the character that led to that. And so it's all very much acting character based work. And so you can't have multiple people playing Kermit, multiple people playing Fozzie. And that's part of the reason it's really hard to come up with a Broadway version of this show, because you can't have somebody on Broadway doing Kermit and Matt Vogel doing Kermit because only Matt Vogel is Kermit. You know what I mean? That's like how that's how the Muppets work. And so that's why for me, in my mind, it's like well, pre-recorded segments like that's the only way that it works. And to be honest, when it comes to Broadway, is that valid? Does that work? Would that be great? Is that count as mm-hmm. broadway like is it worth investing money into something like that like these are all the kind of questions that kind of come with that that make it very difficult which is why i think it hasn't happened yet but there has been workshops schumacher has been interested in doing something like that Ooh, sure uh, i obviously have spoken to him a million times about this because the way that i'm talking about it it's clear uh-huh. that i'm somewhat his assistant or something <laughs> this is how much time i spend on wikipedia this is why i have issues <laughs> Fergie is an intern at the jim henson studio on the side very clearly (laughs) well um but yeah it's crazy it's really it's really it's a really hard thing and it's something that avenue q actually faced in its later years when they started because uh john tartaglia stephanie debruzzo and and jen bernhardt and and rick lyon when they they are all puppeteers first um and i i don't want to speak for them but they had all worked on Sesame street and with Jim Henson and the Muppets and all these different things. And so they were brought onto the show first as puppet specialists who also knew how to have really great stage theater performances. Cause they're sure. all actors in their own right as well. But when the show 
became really successful and started continuing on and, and then went on to off-Broadway, like it became difficult because not everybody's a puppeteer. And so when you're bringing on actors to take on these roles, you know, a lot of them did not sound like the way Nikki originally sounded. A lot of them did not even have the kind of technique that was applied. And that became very difficult for the puppet people in that production to kind of maintain. Um, and that is mm. one of those things that becomes difficult when you're trying to keep a character consistent with something, you know what I mean? And it doesn't yeah. work in the same way that me taking over Hercules Mulligan because <laughs> this is such a terrible analogy, but it would be different if I was putting on the flesh suit of Oak versus just putting on his clothes. And that's the biggest difference between that kind of thing is yeah. that we're all putting on the same sock. So there has to be a continuity that comes with that. And it can yeah. only really come. You can't come. bring yourself to Kermit the Frog. You can't just bring yourself to Kermit the Frog. Like you have to find that's Kermit a, the Frog. And first of all, that takes years to do once you get hired. And then you're going to do that for like a long amount of like, you know, Jim did it from the 50s until he passed away in 1990. Steve Whitmire did it from 1990 until, unfortunately, he got fired in 2017. And now Matt's doing it. And he's probably going to do it for another almost 20 years. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's just kind of the culture. It's why the Muppets work, because that's the way that it's applied. And I think it can be frustrating for especially Disney corporate uh, entities to kind of deal with that kind of mindset. But it's why the Muppets work in the way that they do. Well, yeah. on that Absolutely. note, that that does bring us to the end of our episode. <laughs> um, does it really? Yeah. Have I been talking that long? We've all been talking <laughs> that long. We've all been talking that long. No, no it's, it's, it's been, it's, an hour. It's yeah, been me. I've been talking too much. There has to be one more question. There has to be one more question. <laughs> I mean, so this is what we'll do. I'm going to pose the question. I'll okay. do our like sign off. And then before we sign off, you give your one word answer. Okay, fine. That's fair. Right. Okay. Who's your favorite Muppet? I hate this question. Okay. Jesus. So thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, you can follow us on things like broad wasted. Um, you can find us on things like Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can join our Facebook group. We do theater nerdy stuff there. Find us on Patreon. Um, you can uh, see all of our fun stuff that we do behind the scenes. And some uh, we're doing a lot of movies there now, um, so you can see all of that. You can find us on things like uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Written review us there, five uh, stars, please. please. Thank you. And then you can of course find us on the Broadway Podcast Network along with um, uh, uh, the uh, Muppets. Uh, and so um, <clears throat> with that, I leave you with our final quote, which is, "Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's kind of like a torture to have to watch." the show um but we're gonna leave it with you fergie we're all gonna count to three and you have to tell us your favorite muppet one <laughs> two, two three. three so when i was born there was this idea that when <laughs> <laughs> i'm 
terrible. No, it's uh, it's a character called Clifford. And most people might not know who this character is. It's from a TV show in the 90s when, here we go, history lesson. So basically, Jim Henson died in 1990. When he died, Jim Henson was making a deal originally with Michael Eisner when he was the CEO of the Disney company for Disney to acquire the Muppets. Obviously, after Jim Henson died, that deal basically kind of fell through. However, Disney signed a production deal with them, basically, where they were allowed to do two movies and three TV shows. One of those TV shows was Dinosaurs, which was a really great TV show on Disney Plus that you should watch. Another show was called Aliens in the Family. Did not last long. (laughs) And then the third show was a Muppet-related TV show called Muppets Tonight. Yes! So Muppets Tonight is actually a really wonderful show. Every single episode's on YouTube. I probably shouldn't have said that, but it's true. Um, I watch it all the time. (laughs) And the main host of that is a guy named Clifford, who is this catfish, Rastafarian-haired Muppet that is purple and sounds like this. This is Clifford. That's literally how he talks. He's my favorite ever. Um, he was played by Kevin Clash, who played, um, who was the original Elmo, uh, and now does a lot of stuff for the Henson Company, like Dark Crystal, um, and and teaches a lot of the puppeteers now. Um, but that character is so cool. But it was also one of the first Muppets that I was like, that is very clearly a black Muppet, and I very much identified with that. Yeah. Uh, obviously. And also I just loved the design of him. Like he literally looks like a catfish. He's purple. And then he had these orange, red and yellow dreads and they were gorgeous. Um, it's a beautifully designed puppet and it's my favorite character. Um, cool. Did I talk enough? I feel like I just gave you all a Muppet history lesson and I don't oh, think oh, people are going to care that much. <laughs> This is like my biggest fear that I'm just spitting all my Wikipedia knowledge at people. I was there for it. I was here. No, please do not worry about it. That is what we please bring me back so I can talk about (laughs) things people care about, like musicals. Like I I feel so terrible. (laughs) No, we will come back together to redo the Muppets a little night music. Yes, there we go. And I will I will come and then we'll make sure Andrew is here so he can play so he can play Henrik. Perfect. Yes. Uh, We always we end with raising a glass, and we say, "Cheers!" Cheers. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together 
we rise.